And welcome back to our show. We're an open book. My name is Chris McMurray. And I'm Gene. He's my husband, and he'll be behind the scenes making sure everything is running smoothly. But as always, I'll be telling you what I think every step of the way. Of course you are. On this show, we discuss those difficult situations that a lot of families go through, but are often not talked about. And here we will, because like we said, we're an open book. In our relationship, we've dealt with marriage, divorce, remarriage to each other, addiction, sobriety, losing a business because of injury, and the ultimate sorrow of losing our son, Scott. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our show. Hey, Chris, how are you today? I'm good. We have a lot to talk about today, so much. Yes, we do. But before we get to today's show, why don't you recap what got us to this point? Okay. In the first eight episodes, we talked about the ups and downs of our relationship and becoming a family. Then in the last episode, we shifted focus from our relationship to our son Scott's illness and how that journey began. That's right. We had dropped Scott off at school a few short months earlier, and we were celebrating being empty nesters. Everyone seemed to be in a good spot. The kids seemed happy at their schools. And we had a lot of free time that we spent traveling and doing the things that we enjoyed. That's right. Life was good. But then came Christmas break and everything changed. And it's amazing how quickly and profoundly life can change in an instant. We went from having two healthy kids home from college, and now one of them had a rare form of cancer. Of course, we were in shock, but we had to pivot quickly to this new reality. That is where we left off in the last episode. Life had changed on a dime. That's right. Our life became focused on Scott's needs and his medical care. All of a sudden, we were spending more time at the hospital than we were at home. And I think anyone who's ever had a serious illness or who was a caregiver for someone who did knows exactly what that's like. So we're picking up the story when Scott had a firm diagnosis and the doctors were wasting no time to get his treatment started. Mm -hmm. So as always, Chris is gonna read a passage from our book that she's holding up right there, Live, Laugh, Lie. And we, of course, will come back afterwards to discuss what she read. You ready to go? I am. Let's do it, it's Uh, all yours. Thank you. This is the first day of chemo. Despite the poor prognosis, aggressive chemo was warranted to buy those two years and perhaps keep them going long enough for that miracle. After all, 10% did survive beyond that ominous two years. The chemotherapy and treatments were highly toxic and were scheduled to begin immediately. His treatment consisted of seven rounds, 24 hours a day for one week, followed by two weeks off, then repeating the same schedule. On that first day, Scott and I were headed into Children's Hospital at Montefiore for his first round to begin at 7 a.m. We're very nervous, not knowing what to expect. We signed in and waited to be called. 
We looked around at all the bald children with their weary parents not uttering a word to each other as we're trying to distract ourselves. Scott was listening to music on his iPod, and I was pretending to be engrossed in a book. Finally, they called Scott's name. We were led into a room where a nurse weighed and measured him. They also checked his temperature and blood pressure. So far, so good. Then the doctor and social worker arrived. They explained Scott's chemo protocol and told us what the side effects would be. We were told to expect a lot of nausea, diarrhea, and exhaustion. Then they gave our young adult son the consent papers to sign. Scott asked how long he would have if he didn't sign the papers. The answer was a few months. He signed. Next, the nurses brought him to the infusion room where the process was reviewed. The chemo would be administrated through his Groviac line and at the end of the day put into a backpack while still attached to his line, allowing him to go home at night. The chemo ran through the night and we were to return at 7 a.m. One full week on and two weeks off were considered around. He was to have seven. When Scott left with the nurses, I realized that the doctor and social worker stayed with me to explain some sobering facts. The doctor told me that while they hoped to get Scott into remission, it was likely to come back with a vengeance. I stared at them in disbelief. Finally, I was able to ask them, why are we doing this then? What's the point if he's going to die anyway? The doctor nodded his head and said that maybe it'll give him more time, as we would discover time was the only hope that we had. I remember walking out of the room and wandering down the hallway, my body shaking as tears rolled down my face. Gene was at work and I called his number. When he answered in between sobs, I told him what I had just learned. Gene was shaken by this news but encouraged me to calm down before I see Scott. He would pick us up at the end of the day and would talk more later. After about an hour, I felt better and went to see Scott. I sat with him in his cubicle trying to stay positive. I decided not to tell him what the doctor said. I didn't want him to feel like giving up. He had just begun this journey. I also met some other cancer moms who showed me around where to get coffee and where the chapel was. Each child had a different cancer and different protocols. One thing all the moms had in common was that not one of us ever considered that our child might have cancer. Even the very first time we brought them to the hospital because of neck or leg pain, we never thought of cancer. Jean picked us up that night around 7 p.m., Scott wearing the chemo backpack. In the car, Scott's mood was good, indicating he didn't feel sick. When we arrived home, I start to make dinner. Outside, I hear a car beep its horn, and Scott announced that he's going out with friends, chemo backpack and all, and he leaves. Gene and I were so proud and happy for him. We even began to think, maybe this won't be so bad. This thinking was short-lived. Thank you for that reading, Chris. And as you read that, I was reminded, I've always felt a little bad about not being there that first day of chemo. It may seem like a... I left a lot on you and Scott to deal with alone. No, 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 no. First of all, you did drive us and pick us up. Also, you had to work. Throughout the process of diagnosis, you had already taken a lot of time off. And when anyone is sick, 
not only do the regular bills keep coming, but there's now medical expenses and other costs for keeping an ill family member as comfortable as possible. So treatment begins. Talk a bit more about that first day and what it felt like. Yeah, that first day was so surreal. I had never been so intimately exposed to a children's hospital before or cancer or chemo. Well, we had in the past been to, made several visits to children's hospitals when we were youth group leaders at our church. I know, but when it's your child, it is a whole different experience. Now, what about the, the support you received that morning? Yeah, as I talked about in the reading, all the other moms were unbelievably helpful to show me around, but more importantly, giving me a sense of community, that we were there for each other. And it's just too scary to go at it alone. And I will always be forever grateful to those moms. His chemo regimen was brutal. <sighs> for an entire week, he was being infused. And like you said, it was seven whole days around the clock. He actually came home with a backpack full of chemo that would run through the night. So it's the first night we finally get home, and I'm sitting in my chair, and I am bone tired. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Scott walking to the door, and he's dressed to go out. And I asked him, where are you going? <laughs> he is going out. I couldn't believe it how he could do that after all he'd been through that day. I know, we automatically went to put our pajamas on exactly. and we're done for the night, but not him. And I have no idea how he did it, but his friends picked him up and off he went. And we were happy, but nervous at the same time. After all, he is literally still on chemo. You know, of course, it was his way of keeping a bit of normalcy in his life. After all, his life had been turned upside down way more than anybody else's. Absolutely. And looking back, it had to be so hard for him to go out that night because his friends are still home from Christmas break and sharing stories about college life, and now he's dealing with cancer. Well, I'm sure he also wanted to make a statement that he was not going to let this cancer run his life. That's right. And that is a Perfect lead to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, January. Scott yeah. is just finishing up his first round of chemo. And I get a call from my good friend Jody, who had some connections with the New York Giants. He had scored some Super Bowl tickets, and he wanted to know if Scott and I would like to go to the big game that was in Arizona that year. Of course he wanted to go. We went, and he really struggled at times. His energy level waned quickly. Except for the time spent at the game, he spent most of the time in the hotel bed. One particularly hard moment on that trip, though, was when we were going through security at the stadium. Half of his hair had fallen out, so he had patches of hair all over his head. So he wore a hat to, to cover that, but he had to remove it for, ins for the inspection. And there he stood with patches of hair just staring off into space. And you couldn't say anything to draw any more attention to him. No, I couldn't. But that moment seemed to last forever, but it was only a few seconds. You know, every time I think about this, it breaks my heart because my poor baby, what he must have felt like standing there with his hat in his hand. And, you know, he's so brave and not wanting attention, just standing there quietly stoic. Well, we eventually did get to our seats and saw the Giants beat the Patriots in what was really maybe the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Yeah. 
we both had a it was the greatest Super Bowl for us that's for sure right. we had a wonderful time well tell about the moment on the plane coming home yeah that was kind of special there was a man sitting in our, our row on the plane Scott was by the window dozing off and I was in the middle chatting with the man on the aisle just small talk well Scott gets up to go to the bathroom and the man asked me hey is your son okay he was really concerned so of course I explained Scott's illness to him a little bit but we had to end our conversation quickly because Scott was headed back to us we cannot know that you're, Scott cannot know you're talking no, about him. no a little while later though when it was clear that Scott had nodded off again the man just reached over and gently squeezed my leg above the knee as if to say hey I am sorry for your son and your family what you're going through right now oh man that's beautiful because such small acts of compassion go such a long way and it's another stranger on the plane and this is a good time for you to read your excerpt I am book. going to do that right now mm -hmm. so this is also from our book live laugh lie what made that weekend so memorable was the time I spent with Scott doing something special together in the three years he had left we talked about it often I had missed so much of his life trying to get mine together that memories like this were few and far between the Super Bowl weekend turned out to be a memory that I will never forget yeah yeah I'm so glad that you and Scott had this time together special memories for the both of you and so grateful that our family got a second chance it was really a great trip with so many blessings but the thing about cancer treatment is that it, it's relentless. Mm -hmm. As soon as we got back from the game, it was time for another round of chemo. That's right. And as the rounds progressed, they were harder and harder for him. He wasn't eating well, and he was losing an alarming amount of weight. He was already a thin guy, so he was getting really skinny at this point. I know. And he's scheduled to have his kidney removed in April, and we had to somehow get some weight on him. Scott was familiar with the appetite enhancing properties of marijuana so he asked his doctor if they could prescribe some pot to help him get through it and help him eat that's right but at the time it wasn't an option in the state of New York although the doctors agreed that it would help but you had other reservations as well of course I did because after all these years we did our best to discourage any type of drugs or alcohol as he's growing up and now the doctors are giving him a green light and I am picturing our home looking a lot like Woodstock it was a lot like Woodstock and we even had the music at times <laughs> we, we got into that part but when you voice those concerns the doctors had a point of view that really helped you understand the big picture that's right they said mrs. McMurray your son's body is filled with cancer this helps so what and that jolted me a little bit and I remember a particular time when he had just gotten home from the hospital and he was nauseous and he's throwing up and he would smoke a little bit of pot and instantly the nausea would stop and a half hour later he would ask me for a bacon and egg sandwich so I saw firsthand how it helps and it was the best medicine and so what so what indeed so what and the pot did help it was kind of a game changer it was and never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would allow my child to openly smoke pot in our house but there I was 
Yeah, but here's the thing. Not only were you allowing it, but you were going out and buying it. I was. I was. Can you believe it? I did. And it wasn't legal back then. And I'm really kind of glad I didn't get arrested. But I am glad now that medicinal marijuana is available in most states. And you know what? I would have done anything to help Scott. So we also bought Scott, besides pot, something else back then. This is what we're talking about, the additional expenses. <laughs> well, we bought him a lot of things during that time. So which one are you talking about? The car, of course. Mm -hmm. A Mercedes C230 Sport with a five-speed and heated seats. That was a cool ride. Cool ride. Yeah, we talked about getting him a car, and I thought it would be a nice project for the both of you. You do the research together, you visit car dealerships. I thought that this process would take months, but you went to a dealership, and it seems like unless two hours later you returned home claiming you bought a car. Well, I wouldn't say that's completely true. We did visit two or three dealerships over a couple of days, but one day we saw this little silver Benz. Scott sat in the driver's seat, looked over at me and said, this is the one, Dad. And you know what? I knew he was right. You got to admit, man, it was a nice car. It was. We and both loved that car. It, it was. I never drove it. I can't do a stick. And it made him so happy. And even though the car was a couple of years old, it was a big expense. And under normal circumstances, we never would have bought him that. But we had to face facts. Most probably his disease would prevent him from having a car of his own. So we wanted to give mm -hmm. him this and we were able to make it happen. That car made him happy, but there were many times he couldn't drive it. Pain medication was a part of treatment and we wouldn't let him drive if he had taken some. Also, there were times he was so weak that I was afraid for him while driving. Not only did I worry about him, but I also had to think about the other drivers on the road. When I would tell him he couldn't drive, believe me, it did not go over well. But I couldn't compromise on this. And this issue caused many arguments between us. And the last thing I wanted to do was fight over anything with my very sick son. Yeah, but that was a position and a line in the sand that we just could not compromise. No, I mean, yes, he's sick, but he's still a teenager pushing boundaries and we're his parents. And it's not easy having teenagers, whether they're sick or not. Well, as we wind this episode down, I think we should point out that serious illness in the family changes life in so many ways. That's right. Never did I think that not only would I encourage marijuana to my teenager, but I would buy it for him. And never did we think that we would buy him a sports car. If he wasn't sick, he'd have to save up and buy it himself. But we also said, never say never. That's, that's right. How often does somebody call you with Super Bowl tickets? Never. But that's what happened to us. And when I, my boss found out about the tickets, he chipped in for the airfare. Yeah, it was so nice. And as we told you these stories in this episode, we realized how many people were there for us. Scott's friends picked him up to go out after his first day of chemo. They knew what kind of day he had had. They just wanted to be there for him. That's right. And the moms at the hospital who showed me the way and helped me feel less alone. Even the stranger on the plane who showed compassion with a simple gesture of one dad to another. That's right. We realized that Scott's illness just didn't affect us. It affected a community. 
And it's a helpless feeling for everyone. And we're all just doing the best that we can. So this ends another episode of Wear an Open Book. Chris, show us everybody the book one more time and tell us where we can get it. Here it is. Absolutely. Live, Laugh, Fly is available on Amazon and 100% of proceeds will help benefit children's cancer programs. And if you heard something on this show that you'd like to comment on, we would love to hear what you think. There's a couple of ways to reach us. The first one, by email, our email address is remember, love never dies at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook page called Wear an Open Book, and you can leave a comment there. Or the easiest way is just leave a comment down below in the show notes. Sounds good. Anything else you can think of? Well, of course. One well, more thing. The way we always sign off, folks. Remember, love never dies. Thanks, everybody. Love never dies. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. She is sure. She is